of standing up praying publicly that if a person is kind of tends towards hypocrisy, there is something about the adulation and uh, the admiration that comes from people when they look at you and say, oh, she's such a prayer warrior. She's such an intercessor. It lends itself. I'm not saying that it always is, but it lends itself to hypocrisy of self-adulation. And then Jesus told us that hypocrites, they have some things in common. Number one, they believe that long prayers are better than short ones. When I realized that, I realized I've been a hypocrite. <laughs> there have been times when I thought, oh, they didn't pray long enough. How can God respond to that? But Jesus says clearly that short prayers are just as good as long ones. Isn't that great? Because suddenly you're all included. And then Jesus said, hypocritical prayer is sometimes characterized by repetition of the same words over and over again. But then Jesus said, you don't need to know any of that because our Father knows the things we have need of before we ask them. <laughs> so we are not saying, God, here am I with millions of others praying. Can you please put my prayer request on top? Can you make it on, put it on the to-do list for the day? No, our Father already knows what we need. And we could add to that, he has already provided everything through Christ. And that is why when we pray, we are like John said, we are confident. If we pray anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we have that which we asked of in prayer. So, so we learn from this that prayer doesn't change God. Prayer doesn't move God to take action that he otherwise would not have taken or hasn't already taken. Because uh, God is not ill-informed. Everything God does is on the basis of what Jesus Christ has already done. So there's a, a well-known acronym. People say PUSH. And they may say that means pray until something happens. In other words, if I just keep pushing in prayer, eventually God will relent and he will do something. That's not the gospel. It will be more accurate to say, I pray till something happens in me. <laughs> or I pray until I see things differently and then I'll make things happen. You see, uh, th there's something in prayer that is not about changing God. It's about changing ourselves. Uh, you see, Jesus changed prayer so that we, though we can learn from the Old Testament prayers like Abraham's prayer and Moses' prayer and Solomon's prayer. Jesus changed prayer because now after his death and resurrection, we have what we ask for. So we're not trying to petition in that sense of God come and do this. We are praying on the basis of what God has done through Jesus. Then in the last teaching I talked about how Jesus spoke of three prayer dimensions. The dimension of ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and it shall be open. Oh, there's some wonderful prayer dimensions for us to practice and to enjoy. Then, then I touched on this and I want to dig deeper. Because here is a beautiful golden nugget. Prayer aligns our thoughts 
with God. Prayer is, is taking some time praying because our mind has become influenced by all kinds of ideas and thoughts. Is that right? You hear all kinds of contradictory voices, negative voices, and so prayer is an opportunity to focus on the Lord and it changes us. That's why I say, not saying that, that you cannot pray and speak to the mountain, even though that's not strictly prayer, that's speaking a word of faith, but I'm saying primarily and maybe the number one thing in prayer is that prayer changes me. Everybody say prayer changes me. So not so much prayer changes things, prayer changes me. And when I'm changed, I change things. Not so much prayer changes nations, prayer changes me. And when I'm changed, I'm a part of changing nations. It's not so much prayer changes Toronto, no, prayer changes me. And when I'm changed, when I see things like God sees them, I'm a part of changing Toronto. Everybody say, prayer changes me. Now, there, is, there are many prayer examples, but just, I'm going to go to the top shelf on this one. I'm going to go to none other than Jesus Christ. And I want to show you in this teaching how this principle, prayer changes me, is true about Jesus Christ. Sometimes, you know, we think so much in different times of church history, uh, people have emphasized either that Jesus is the Son of God, and other times the Son of Man. And sometimes today, we emphasize so much that Jesus is God that we forget that Jesus is the Son of Man. The Bible talks more in the Gospels, and Jesus calls himself the Son of Man more often than he refers to himself as the Son of God. Jesus wept. Jesus felt burdened. Jesus felt compassion and concern for others. Jesus was faced with negative emotions. Jesus had a battle in his mind. So if I talk about that prayer changes me, would you agree that I'm using the top shelf example if I say you can find this in Jesus' prayer? So I'm going to go to the primary chapter in the Bible that shows us Jesus at prayer. Maybe very similar to you and I in prayer. And it's, I'm going to read selectively Luke 22, verse 31, which says, uh, Jesus said, speaking to Simon Peter here. Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you return to me, strengthen your brethren. What is Jesus praying for Simon Peter? He's saying, I'm praying that the faith that's in you is not going to fail. I'm praying that your faith is going to be strong. Notice here, Jesus doesn't say, I pray that Satan will stop sifting you as wheat. Now, <laughs> if you had gone for prayer to Jesus, if you had been in Jesus' prayer queue, wanting to have laying of hands prayer by Jesus, and you would have said, Jesus, I feel that Satan is after me. Would you pray for me? Would you have been disappointed? I think many charismatic Christians would have been disappointed. They would have just wanted Jesus to go, one, two, three, the devil is gone, hallelujah. 
That's it. But Jesus doesn't rebuke the devil. He doesn't say, I'm going to stop the devil. I'm going to stand between you and the devil. He says, I'm praying that something will happen in you. I'm praying that your faith will be strong. And that what you're facing, when you come out the other side, you're going to strengthen others. Now let's keep reading. So that was Jesus praying for Simon Peter. Verse 40 in the same chapter. Now Jesus is speaking to all the disciples. Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, you would have thought, well, hey, if an angel came strengthening me, I wouldn't be in agony. I would be just dancing and shouting hallelujah. No. So even after the angel came as an answer to Jesus' prayer to strengthen him, the agony was still there. This kind of teaching is not going to make you shout, but it is going to help you. How many are ready to receive some help here? I say, so being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. This is after the angel has come. Prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. He said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray that you will not enter into temptation. I'm going to break this down, and I'm not saying this is the only definition or the only purpose of prayer, but I'm highlighting today a purpose of prayer that we have often overlooked. I'm saying one of the purposes of prayer, a very important purpose of prayer, is that we align our thoughts. When we pray, we take time to meditate, to pray, to ask, to seek, to knock and find the door open. What happens in that process is that our thoughts become aligned, synchronized with God's thoughts. So I'm focusing on that today. So I'm going to go through some areas here that we see in Jesus and that probably apply to every person here. Pray or align our thoughts with God's in dark moments. This is a very dark moment for Jesus. I mean, it's not a fun time. And let me say something to you. Dark times come to everyone. Socially, maybe people reject you. Spiritually, you could feel like you're in a very dry time and you wonder, where is God? Sometimes financially, dark times can come. Some money you thought was coming through didn't come through. You lost a job. In a relationship, you could be disappointed. I told you this wasn't going to make you shout, but I'm going to help you today. Jesus faced a dark time. What, what did Jesus do? Did he just say, I rebuke that darkness? No. In that darkness, he went and prayed, and Jesus' thoughts were aligned with the thoughts of his heavenly Father. I'll get back to that in a moment. But let me give you an encouragement from the book of Micah, chapter 7 and verse 8. Where it says, do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be light to me. And so, yeah, go ahead. You, 
you know, uh, I'm not going to give you a lot of opportunities to clap this Sunday morning, so take the few ones I give you, all right? Let's give the Lord a big praise right there. <laughs> you see, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. See, see, see weeping, dark times come to everyone. And sometimes, like Micah said here, people find themselves in darkness. Jesus himself says, it's dark. I feel, I feel forsaken, but the Lord will be a light to you. Hallelujah. All the sweat drops of blood were still coming. The rejection of Jesus' own disciples was still coming. But in that moment of darkness, the Lord is your light. And so when you feel, maybe I'm prophesying to somebody right now, and you're going through a dark time, here's how prayer helps you. Instead of getting into self-pity, instead of beating yourself up by legalistic thinking, why don't you just begin to pray and say, Lord, I don't even know what to say. Lord, speak into my spirit. And you'll hear a little voice whisper, I I'm your light. Though you may fall, you will arise again. Although it's dark, I will be your light through the darkness until it is dispelled. Even though you're weeping now, you will rejoice. And your prayers are aligned with God and you are able to face the world. You're able to face the situation around you. Here's something else. Pray, align our thoughts with God's when we are tempted to quit. Jesus had a fleeting, maybe, I don't know how long it was, the temptation to quit. He says, can you let this cup pass? I, I want to throw in the towel. Could, could that be? Could temptations to quit come to people? Could, could it have come to you or I? Maybe to, to quit, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's some area that you say, I want to quit. I want to quit this relationship. I want to quit my church. I want to quit on God. I want to quit my job and because there's some pressure. You see, Jesus here... He's really showing us the Son of Man. He is, he is one of us. He is our brother. <laughs> Jesus is the Son of Man. He, he felt everything we feel. And, and he was bearing a great burden. He was tempted to quit. And so how did this prayer affect him? We have another scripture verse that gives a little other angle to the same thing. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus. Remember, he was praying. We know he was praying. In Luke 22, looking unto Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. When was this joy set before Jesus? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say the exact hour. But the most logical assumption would be that when he went aside to pray, something happened. He says, get praying disciples. If you're tempted to quit, if you're tempted to give up, pray something happened to Jesus he saw a joy that was set before him in the midst of misery and tragedy that's what prayer will do for you everybody say prayer changes me so when the circumstances are such that you say I'm giving up I've had it I'm had it can you believe that person I saw her in church again, or I saw him at the, at the store again. I can't stand. I, you get all worked up in yourself, and then you come to church and say, I can't go again. 
And here I am telling you, pray. There have been voices and ideas coming into your head. And now you begin to worship God. And suddenly you begin to see, well, there's a joy coming. I may be facing some struggles right now, but there is a joy set before him. So I'm going to walk through this. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to walk through this. I'm coming through this stronger because there's always a better outcome with God. There's a harvest coming. See, prayer helps you to see the positive things. So don't quit. Don't go and get drunk. No, no, don't get, don't go crazy. You know, a lot of people try to escape all kinds of things. And, and you know, alcohol is one way people just say, I'm just going to be in a drunk, drunken stupor. I don't want to think. Now you can even, you know, online order some cannabis. Ooh, everybody go, ooh. I was out in New Brunswick two weeks ago. I went by the, the you know, Pastor Sean Anders there. He took me by, you know, he said, he's, he's, he took me someplace to eat. And he said, oh, there's a cannabis store. We don't have that in Ontario. I said, pull over. I want to take a picture. I haven't posted it yet because I don't know what good I can say about it. <laughs> and he said, there's a lineup always. People say, oh, Pastor, what do you think about that? Well, you know, first of all, I don't tell everybody what I think, but I think in general it's another form unless you need it for medical reasons, but some people can need it for medical reasons. I understand that. That is another form of escaping. There are many forms of escaping. Some people get so into sports. Oh, there we go. They escape reality. They just live their life through athletes. Some people, religion is a good escapism, you know, especially charismatic Christians. Some of them, very few. I think anyone like that probably left our church 10 years ago. Uh, you know, everything is the devil. No matter what happens, it's always the old devil's fault. The devil is doing this. The devil is doing that. It's never me. I don't need to change. It's the good God who's going to do something to the devil, and then everything will be fine. That's another form of escapism. So whether you're smoking devil theology, smoking cannabis, you know, Jack Daniels, soap operas, what else? Just walking around feeling sorry for yourself, nursing offense. There are many ways to try to escape so I don't have to face life. And it's ultimately a temptation to quit. But you see, prayer is powerful. Prayer changes me. Prayer makes me realize who I am. I'm more than a conqueror. I see clearly what seems so hazy, what seems so foggy, isn't so foggy anymore. I see the one who lives in me. I can rise up and face whatever is going around me. Prayer changes me. Let me give you some more. Pray, align your thoughts with God's in the face of premature death. Do you know that Jesus was about to die on the cross, but the Bible is pretty clear that there was a premature attack on Jesus' life. There was an attack, an assault on his life to kill him prematurely before he went to the cross. God's plan was that Jesus would die on the cross, but there was this attempt to kill him early. And it says in Hebrews 5, 7, he offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And if the verse continued, it says, and he was heard. So there was this attempt at killing Jesus before the cross. 
and, and he's feeling that. He's probably feeling like he's going to die in Gethsemane. You see, God's plan was that Jesus would go to the cross, fulfill the scripture, be buried, rise on the third day, and defeat principalities and powers and make a triumphant show of them openly once for everyone. That was God's plan. But there was another plan, and that was to kill him prematurely. And so let's apply this to us. Jesus is saying, let this cup pass, but Lord, what, what, what do you want? Sometimes you, could, you and I could be facing the threat of an early death. You know, one day we're all going to die. He's died ahead of us, so we are in Jesus Christ. You know, death is an enemy, but it's the last enemy that is defeated. <laughs> Amen. Look at death that way. It's an enemy, but it's an enemy defeated in Jesus Christ. So when you die one day, it will not be just like everybody else dying. You die having a great hope that you are included, enclosed, encapsulated in Jesus Christ in the Father's love. And so you can die even then and know it's going to be all right. But don't die too early. We're not looking for our church members to drop dead. I'm saying synchronize your thoughts with God's. So if you're facing, you say, I'm going to die. I got this, got this something on my nose. I got this pain. And you get all kinds of thought. Oh, it must be cancer. It must be, it must be this and that. Oh, don't be afraid to have it checked out. But on the inside of you, align your thoughts with God's. Maybe you can think of Exodus 15, 26, where the Lord says, I am God. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, your healer. Start meditating on that. You say, whose healer is he? He's my healer. Is he going to be my healer one day? No, he doesn't say, I'm going to be your healer. He says, I am. Not I was, not I will be. I am the Lord that heals you. So sometimes in prayer, you say, oh, God, heal me. God, heal me. God, heal me. What the prayer does it aligns you with God's thinking. And you may get so aligned with God's thinking, thinking that you begin to pray the prayer of faith. And you say, you mount and be removed as a result of the alignment in your thinking with God's. Let me give you some more. Prayer or pray align our thoughts with God's when we struggle over our will versus God's will. And I've alluded to that, but let's go a little deeper into it. So mentally, Jesus was struggling. What, is it really God's will? Am I facing a situation here now? Well, what's going on here? And you know, this is also described in several other scriptures. Let me give you one where quick, quickly, uh, Philippians 2, where it says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. He humbled himself. Therefore God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. So Jesus is, what is, what is this mind of Christ? Well, I think logically it pulls back to the Garden of Gethsemane. 
when the disciples at that moment they were sleeping. He'd asked them to pray with him, but they didn't. He was by himself, and there was a wrestling. What, what was the mind that was in Jesus? What did that prayer do for Jesus? Well, I would say first of all, that it seems like the Heavenly Father reminded Jesus who he really is. He said, I, I, I know I'm equal with God. I know that I've come in the form of God. I know, I, I know who I am. See, what prayer will do for you, it will remind you of who you are. See, that's what the devil always tried to do to Jesus, take away the faith in who Jesus was. He said, are you the Son of God? Come on, you're not really the Son of God. Come on, are you really the Son of God? See, it, it was not about Jesus jumping off the pinnacle of the temple. It was about an attack on his mind so that he wouldn't know who he is. And so let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let prayer change you. Everybody say, prayer changes me. And when you, I found this personally, experientially, that if I'm allowing the circumstances or thoughts crowd in on my mind, I can go to God in prayer. I can say that, Chris, we can pray without ceasing. That's one aspect of prayer. But you take some time and you begin to just worship or meditate or think about God, and then God will remind you of who you are. He'll come to you in prayer. Don't you know who you are? You are my beloved. I have your name written on the palm of my hand. Don't you know who you are? You are more than a conqueror. What got into you? Well, what happened? See, 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 we're waiting for God just to go, oh, okay, I'm going to remove all your problems. No, on the inside of you, something happens. And then the second thing was that Jesus is saying, I'm willing to humble myself. It's okay. I know who I am. So I can take some hits. See, it's only when you don't know who you are that you can't take anything. The slightest thing offends you. You go, oh, you know what they told me? Well, you obviously don't know who you are. Because if you know who you are, you can take the hits. You, you know, some people have a hard heart and a soft head. They have a head like a half-rotten tomato, and they have a heart like a brick wall, you know. Can't get to their heart, but their head, the slightest little poke, and they just feel mushy there. But you see, what happens in prayer, you, 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 you get a soft heart. You have a heart that gets touched towards other people's needs, but your head hardens up a little bit. You just don't listen to every bad thing. You don't take it so personal. You don't get so upset. Oh, they, they said something about me. Pastor, how can this be allowed? Pastor Nathan, what do you think? We give licenses to people to be nasty. No, no. See, prayer, you have a soft heart. Ooh. But your head, your mind, you say, I know who I am. <laughs> you want to talk some junk about me? doesn't change anything. I know whose I am. I know to whom I belong. I know who lives in me. And so prayer changes me. Okay, let me give you more. Pray. Align our thoughts with God when we feel alone. Jesus felt alone emotionally because he told the disciples, can you please pray with me? And they fell asleep. What kind of church is this, Jesus said. Not one prayed with me. 
Well, he prayed by himself. You know, sometimes it's good for you to pray by yourself. You don't always have to have like people standing around you holding hands and singing kumbaya and we're with you and all this. And you. No, it's actually good for you. Now, I understand it's nice to have the 70 disciples and the 12 and the 3, but sometimes it can just be you. You should try it. When everybody's gone, you have the whole apartment to yourself. But don't shout so loud that they call the superintendent and tell this noise in the room. But, but you can kind of just, it's good to be alone. And, and, and you know, you, the, the, your li- mind gets aligned and say, I'm not really alone. Because even if my mother and my father forsake me, the Lord will lift me up. He'll come to you. Okay, let me give you some more. Pray. Align our thoughts with God's when those closest to us have let us down. Ooh. Those closest, Jesus, those closest to us let us down. Simon, John, James, I really expected better of you. Could you even pray for an hour? Like, you're going to be like the future apostles, the fathers of the faith. I really expected better of you. You know, if anybody could have been discouraged with people, it was Jesus. Come on. And I won't even talk about Judas. I'll just leave him out of it. But that was discouraging. And yet, what I find in Jesus, he so incredibly believes in people. Even his prayer here for Simon Peter, who had denied him, he says, he says, you're going to make it. You're going to come through stronger. Oh, praise God. You, you, you see, sometimes we can get a little bit mad at people. Okay, nobody looking in the back row. Sometimes we can get discouraged with people. Anybody? I don't even hear a groan. I heard some very dark over there. I hear an amen or a yes over there. Well, Jesus here, well, what happened in prayer? He's, he's aligning his thoughts with God's have this expressed so beautifully in Romans 4, 14. Let me just turn there so I get it right. Romans 14, 4. It, it, it just helps us so much when you feel let down by people. It, 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 what did it say? What did I say? Romans 14. Not there. All right. Well, here's the verse I want to tell you about where it says, Who are you to judge another man's servant? If he stands, he stands. If he falls, he falls. But if he falls, the Lord will raise him up again. See, that's something. Did you ever feel like you wanted to do something nasty to somebody? Because they let you down. Come on now. They let you down. You do, don't you think that Jesus could have, in his humanity, felt like going over there to those disciples and give them a good swift kick and says, wake up, you lazy bums. Couldn't you say, what's with you? I've been feeding you. I've been multiplying bread. I've been raising the dead. And here you're sleeping. Come on, get up here. <laughs> you ever feel like that? Don't do it. Don't go and kick people. Pray. Align your thoughts with God's. Come on now. Align your thoughts with God's. And he will remind you, say, who are you to judge that other person? Do you really know what's going on in that person's life? If he falls or if he stands, who are you to dabble in that? Because even if that person falls, 
God will raise him up because he is my servant, says the Lord. Hallelujah. So don't be so quick. Okay, I, I got to hurry. I got to hurry. Are you still there? One more. Have I given you enough to think about? Everybody say, prayer changes me. Here's the next one. Pray, align our thoughts with God's for others when we feel that we need prayer the most ourselves. How many, yeah, like pray for me. You know, I heard uh, the well-known Canadian professor Jordan Peterson say, he said that what's the center of the universe? And he proposed to say something along the line that there are seven and a half billion centers of the universe because wherever you are is the center of your universe. Isn't that kind of true? You know, I always feel like I'm the center of the universe, wherever I am. If you're there, you're close to the center, but if you're not, you're, but, but you feel the same way. Isn't that right? So no wonder we always feel like I'm the one, I'm the one. I'm the one standing here in the need of prayers. God, pray for me first. What are you praying for her first for? Pray for me. What are you praying for? Healing of back problems. I got an earache. Well, what's wrong? Pray for me. <laughs> but uh, align our thoughts with God's. And God's word teaches us so clearly that, that praying is also working on the principle of giving and receiving. You know, Jesus' prayer was answered even as he prayed for Simon Peter. Because God, God sent an angel to strengthen him. It says concerning healing in James 5, pray for one another that you may be healed. It doesn't say get everybody to pray for you. You get everybody to just focus on you. No, it says pray for one another that you may be healed. Prime example from the Bible is Job. How many know that Job had a tough life? I don't know. Didn't seem to be happily married. His wife told him to curse God and die. He lost everything. Poor Job. Everybody go poor Job. I had one man time tell me, I'm Job. I'm the New Testament Job. My life is bad. I said, hallelujah, you're Job. That means you're going to become very prosperous and very happy and have many children and be healed in your body. But Job prayed for his friends. See, Jesus is going through something very tough. About to suffer sweat drops of blood. Praying for Simon Peter. See, God hadn't planned for Simon Peter to deny Jesus, but he denied him. So the shaking was coming, but God didn't plan the shaking, but it happened. How many know that shakings can happen in our life? And what Jesus is praying, he's not saying, I'm going to stop the shaking. Nothing bad's ever going to happen to you. You know, I, I had, in, in the early years of this church, I remember we had one preacher got up and preached that on a Sunday morning. I was just cringing. I said, well, it'll take me years to straighten this out. And he said, if you join this church, come under this anointing, nothing bad will ever happen to you. I'm not saying I hate to, to disappoint everybody. That's not the gospel, that nothing bad will ever happen, that you're Teflon coated. No, the gospel is that in the midst of the deepest darkness, you have a bright light shining. In the midst of despair, you have hope. Hallelujah. God is on your side. 
So, so we pray for one another. We pray for others. And so Simon Peter, he sure got in the heart of it. He got in the fire, so to speak. He denied Jesus. But that was not the end of it. Jesus prayed that when you are shaken, when your whole existence, your whole life is shaken to the core, I pray that your faith will not fail. And I pray that you will be able to teach others. And you're going to be able to say to others, don't go there. Because you're going to change. And thank God, Simon Peter, who denied Jesus by the fire, he received tongues of fire on his head that changed him. And he was able to tell others, pray for others. I can say this, pray for Pastor Nathan. Maybe you already do that. Well, that was a good time to come. I'm only giving you a few opportunities. It's a little late now. You, you know, if you want, I'll give you, I'll give you a Bible story that illustrates this. Joshua was on the battlefield pray, uh, fighting, and, and Moses was standing there. And as long as Moses' hands were raised, the, the, the battle was victorious, but he got tired. And then Aaron and Hur came and raised his hands, held them up, hold up somebody's hand. Now, he didn't ask me to say this. He never would. Pray for Pastor Nathan. He's doing a great job. He cares very deeply about this church. He cares very deeply about the members of this church. Talks about it all the time. It's not a Sunday program for him or a little bit. No, he, he talks about it. We, him and I, talk about it all the time. We want to get to know you better. We want great things to you. But pray for your pastor. He's our lead pastor. I'm just the old guy. But he's the lead pastor now. Come on. I didn't mean old like that. Don't you go around quoting me on that right now. Hold up his hands. Are you with me? Everybody say prayer changes me. Okay, one more verse. That's it. Jeremiah 33, 3. And you know, as I was meditating on this actually yesterday morning, <laughs> I quoted this verse so many times, but I never saw it in this light. Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Hold that verse for a moment. So that means you could go into prayer, and you don't know certain things. You don't know how it, what to get done. You, you think you know. You think you know what you should tell the Lord to do. And you want to move God with your prayer. But you know God doesn't really need to move because he's in the right place already. So it might take you a little while in prayer just to discover I'm the one that's supposed to learn something. I'm the one that's supposed to move. Because when I move, when prayer changes me, I can change my world. And he says here, you call unto the Lord, he'll answer you. How will he answer you? He will show you. talk to him and he'll show you what does that mean another way to say it synchronize your thoughts he will synchronize your thoughts so that you will see things you didn't know before and when you see those you're free to go out and live and love and prosper and shake the world for Jesus amen prayer changes Oh, one more time. Prayer changes me. Let's all stand up right now. Give the Lord Jesus a big praise. Big, big praise to the Lord Jesus.